Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast, where we focus on how authors found success, looking at strategies that have taken them to the top of the bestseller charts, as well as what they've learned from their mistakes. Because being an indie author is more than knowing the latest marketing trend. It's about being innovative and creative and learning from your mistakes. Welcome to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. I'm Sarah Rosette. And I'm Jamie Albright. And this week we're talking about the top 10 episodes. That's right. Yeah. Because this is our 50th episode. I can't believe it. I know. I really can't either. I told my husband, I said, hey, we're recording our 50th episode. He said, really so soon? It does feel kind of soon, but at the same time, not. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. It's kind of been a nice way to count down the year though. You know, it's like, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but yeah, it's been, it's been great. I mean, it's just been so fun to do the podcast and um, um, we've got people and oh yeah, just I've learned a lot and it's Mm -hmm. been really good to be able to check in once a week and just see you and talk to other Mm -hmm. people. It's been a nice thing about 2020. Yeah. Kept us saying, kept us saying. So what's been going on with you? Uh, So this week I was going to talk about, I've, I'm reading Gail Carringer's The Heroine's Journey, mm-hmm. and um, it's so interesting. It's all about plot and story, and it's it's like the kind of almost a counter to The Hero's Journey. Mm-hmm. It's a different way of, of structuring a story, mm-hmm. and it's just so interesting. And a lot of it really does match up with the type of story I write. Yeah. So it's been really, really interesting. It's just like a new way of thinking about it. It's very mm-hmm. mind-bending. Right. <laughs> Right. I love Gail and we should probably, we should try to get her on the podcast. She's so smart and so interesting. Uh, I love her books, but um, yeah, this, she's very smart. So you've been doing any writing? Yeah. So I'm working on the historical Mm -hmm. and I've gone down this research rabbit hole where I'm, I thought, oh, this will be great. One of the clues, you know, that she'll need to chase down, she'll need to take a train journey. And I'll just like really lean into the romance of train travel. And stuff. <laughs> it sounds so great in the planning stage. And now I'm in the research and I'm trying to figure out like, what time did this train leave? What time did it get to the station? <laughs> Were there any stops? Could you get off the train? When did it become a nonstop train? And oh, it's just like so many details. And you're like, get us off this train. <laughs> yes, I'm about ready to cut the train. <laughs> So, so yeah, I'm about to get it all figured out, but I have to do that for mystery readers. They want to know the details. Yes, it could be they important. do. That's they. That's their catnip. They love that. Yeah. Yeah. So what about you? What have you been doing? Um, I've been writing, um, finishing up the story that I've been putting out my newsletter, and I thought I would be done um, by Friday, really, but something came up, and um, I had to deal with that but I'll be done today I've got one more chapter and um then I'm gonna let it sit till the end of the year and then the from where I wrote to the end I'll go back in and clean that up Uh, my editor can't get to me until the middle of January anyway Mm -hmm. so I'm fine I mean as far as time I just wanted to finish something this year I just felt like for my mental health I needed to finish something uh and so that's been good. And I've been watching Warrior Nun on Netflix. <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so good. Um, <laughs> I've seen it for a while, but I've just kind of gone, oh, that's, that just, you know, that looks silly. But 
I don't know why the other night I tried it. I thought, well, I'll just watch one episode, and if it's stupid, and then I won't. I couldn't stop watching it. It was really good and very <laughs> – uh, but unfortunately, I didn't look to see how many seasons there were, and there was only one. But and it ended kind of cliffhangery. But um, I found out just last night after I finished and Googled, um, I found <laughs> out that they've just approved them for a second season. So, so you are hooked. Yeah, I'm hooked. I can't wait. So it'll be next year sometime. But, but uh, I'm I'm pretty hooked. I'm, yeah. So I have to ask, is this a nun who is um, seeking out vengeance, revenge? No, no, she, and she's not even a nun. Um, there's this, <laughs> there's this uh, relic that they put oh. into the warrior nuns that makes them invincible, kind of, or almost invincible. And the relic accidentally gets put into her uh, because they're trying to hide it. She's actually dead. <laughs> it's complicated, huh? It sounds great. There are layers. There are layers to this story. Yeah, I mean, it's been really good, though. I mean, it's it's the plot's good. It's there's some, you know, the the acting's really good, and um, it's also like witty. You know, there's some banter and stuff that's been really good. So I love yeah, that. Mm-hmm. I love that. Mm-hmm. Well, I've been watching some Hallmark movies. Yeah, so yeah. If that's any suggestions. Let me know. <laughs> that's the difference between the two. <laughs> She's all Hallmark, and I'm. Warrior nine, so yeah, but that's what I've been doing. So we should probably get on with the episodes. Yes, we, we should. Uh, have yeah, probably so. exhausted our boring lives. Yeah. <laughs> so um, we went back and we looked at um, some different ways that people have um, mm-hmm. interacted with the podcast, mm-hmm. and um, so one thing that the the episode that we had the most like interactions comments. Uh, people messaging about was um, Nikki's episode about narrating your fiction audiobooks with Nikki Haverstock. That was mm-hmm. episode 44. Mm-hmm. And um, I was really surprised by that, that that mm-hmm. was the one that um, generated the most attention. Yeah. Yeah. I am too a little bit because, um, you know, not everybody can do that, but mm-hmm. I think because the, um, the cost to get into you know, getting your audiobooks done is pretty high, mm-hmm. or you have to do the narr- you know, the split with right. the narrator. It's 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 not as attractive as trying to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I think that that is really cool. Actually, I've been looking at my closet to see how I can hook things up. <laughs> uh, if I'm being honest, uh, because I want to see about re-recording something and seeing how it goes. So, yeah. Uh-huh. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, we're all going to have like our little writing nook and then we'll yes. have our little recording closet. Recording closet, <laughs> yeah. My only concern is that I don't, there's no ventilation in there. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I, I get my hot flashes. So I'm, <laughs> and I can't have a fan in there because it'll pick it up. So uh, I'm, I'm a little concerned about that. But uh, yeah. the, you have uh, to record in short burst. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> short burst in between the hot flashes. Yeah. <laughs> Oh my gosh. But yeah, no, I thought that was such a great interview. And I thought Nikki had some really, really good, just real practical steps. Yeah, real good tips. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So all these will be linked in the show notes. So if anybody wants to go back and find them, it'll be on wish I'd known them for writers.com. So right. in the show notes. 
So we also looked at YouTube and we've only been on YouTube, just like the static image and then the audio um, since about November, I think. Mm -hmm. And so that's kind of a different um, audience, I guess, Mm -hmm. the kind of a new audience for us. So Mm -hmm. the top three um, shows that we've had viewed there are um, Finding Success in Small Genres with Elena Johnson Mm -hmm. and Becca Syme on Unrealistic unrealistic expectations and jomo the joy of missing out and robin cutler on the advantages of english spark for print and the future of publishing mm. so yeah yeah that's i thought it was an interesting mix mm-hmm. it's just, it is it's a little bit of everything yeah yeah a little bit of a little bit of writing to market a little bit of mindset and a little bit of market just finding your place on other platforms yeah. so yeah. yeah very cool yeah, so so if you listen to stuff on YouTube and you prefer YouTube, you can now listen to us over there. Still can't see us, but you can't see us because y'all, I don't want to have to get up, <laughs> fix my hair, and put on makeup. So um, we're but, doing good just to get the audio version. Yeah, so I mean, I think that. Sarah probably would do it. It's me. It's dragging my feet a little bit. Yeah, so. I'm, I'm not anxious <laughs> to do. <laughs> <laughs> so we're going to stick with audio. So, so um, on the audio downloads, um, so we're going to try something here where mm-hmm. I'm going to try and play a clip and of each person that we have on the list, and then we'll talk a little bit about the episode. So okay. Jamie's going to read the episode, and I'll see if all goes well, or I can play the clip. <laughs> okay. Uh, the number 10 uh, most downloaded podcast is episode five with uh, – and it was learning to reverse engineer a novel with Cecilia Mecca. 2019 goals because I basically took the first few months, four months of the year um, and didn't make the income that I would have with historical. So, you know, in that way, it was a mistake. If you look at it in terms of the short term, you know, mm-hmm. yearly goals and that kind of thing. But I learned so much. Part of what right. I learned now about that reverse engineering and having the marketing there and, you know, following your news to a point, all of that I learned because of the paranormal. Right. Mm-hmm. Now, and I'm not saying that my next pen name will, you know, just go wild and crazy because of it. I'm jumping into a huge, really hugely competitive genre, but I definitely will apply those lessons that I've learned, you know, in terms of one of the biggies is having a pen name. So I chose not to have the pen name for the paranormal because I talked to everybody and it just seemed like that was the way I should go. But that was a mistake. Um, for me, at least, uh, so many of my historical readers came over. I thought it was being very clever to have some of my, you know, historical clan chiefs and English knights 700 years later be mm-hmm. the vampires in my vampire stories where these historical readers came over that don't typically read that my also bots from day one and since then have always been historical. They actually are beautiful also bots for historical. <laughs> like, like all of my favorite authors and you know, no scammers. They're like pure as can be, but there's <laughs> so that was Cecilia and mm-hmm. talking about one of her mistakes about pen names. And mm-hmm. um, pen names have come up a couple of times on the podcast. And um, I think it's a it's a, if you choose to do a pen name, it's a lot of work, right. but sometimes it can be the, the right choice. Right. And I'm looking at Cecilia's page right now on Amazon. Well, not, not her page, her pen name page for her contemporary romance. And her also bots are beautiful. They're all <laughs> contemporary romance. Um, they, they match her books perfectly. So, you know, she did, she did it right the second time. You know? yeah. And, and the thing with that is that, um, 
the problem with like her not using a pen name and her historical people buying her contemporary romances is that it it messes up the Elsabots and then Amazon does not know who to serve your book to. That's the real problem um, yeah. is that, that Amazon just does not know who to give that book to. Yeah. And if so, they're showing it to the wrong people, mm-hmm. the people that aren't interested in that type of genre and they don't click, then the algorithm thinks, mm-hmm. Oh, obviously this is not working. So we'll stop right. showing it. So basically right. it kind of slows everything down, which is right. not what you want. Right. Or, or, you could have those people actually buy it, read it, and go, well, I didn't really like yeah. this because it's not what I read, and then give you a bad review. Yeah. So I think that she did she did a smart thing with her, with her contemporary romance. All the books are written to that genre, and the covers are great, and she, you know, like I said, her also bought so perfect. Yeah. So, and that's the whole thing with, that's one reason we did this podcast. Yeah. Learning from our mistakes. something wrong, then it's not the end of the world. And that was something that I'm, I still struggle with because I hate mm-hmm. to make mistakes. Oh, I yeah, don't want to do anything wrong, but sometimes you've got to do some, you, if you try something and it doesn't work, that's okay. That's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. I think, to learn. yeah, because I mean, we, we look at this as a race, a sprint and not a marathon. And, you know, if we don't do it right this time, we may lose out. And, and that is true. We might lose out on some short-term income, but if you can, you can go back and fix it and still, and still get back in to the race. You know, you can still be, how many metaphors can I use in this (laughs) (laughs) explanation? But, uh, but yeah, I mean, it's, I think just as a culture, I've talked about this before, but I just think as a culture, we view making mistakes not in a healthy way. I mean, making mistakes is how we learn things. It should not be something that's shameful or right. um, that we should be embarrassed about. We should just, you know, we should celebrate mistakes in a lot of ways because they help us get to that next level. So, yeah, yeah. It's very true. Mm-hmm. Very true. All right. So let's do number nine. Okay. Ninth most popular episode. Uh, ninth most popular episode was episode 24. Why isn't this book or series selling with Shea McLeod on analyzing backlist titles? Okay. So here's Shea. Um, you've just done a whole recovering of a cozy series, correct? Right. I have, well, I have one series that it was actually my first series and mm-hmm. I, I made a few mistakes when I was uh, writing that and it didn't really take off. Um, and one of the mistakes was poor covers. Mm-hmm. I mean, they were okay, but they, they weren't what, they weren't what people were looking for mm-hmm. in cozy. So I, I recovered them. Mm-hmm. So I have that series and then I have another series that was a completely different genre that I'm completely rewriting into mm-hmm. a cozy series. So I've gotten two different things done. <laughs> yeah. well, so we want to hear about it all. Okay. <laughs> you, did a, you did a post in the 20 books to 50 take yes. about recovering right. cozies, correct? Yes. And yes. that's that, all you did. That is all I did. That was, well, I, so first, so it was, it's a contemporary cozy mystery series. Mm-hmm. And um, I knew the covers weren't great, but they weren't terrible and they had been wide and I put them in KU because someone, you know, uh, recommended that, but it didn't really help. So they were in KU, they were selling terribly. Um, 
And I had met Mariah Sinclair at the 20 Books to 50K conference in Vegas. And I said, someone told me she was the cozy mystery queen. And I was like, Mariah, if you look at this, can, can you make this better? She's like, I'm like, I think it's the wrong cover. And she looked at it and she goes, oh, yeah. <laughs> so um, I was fortunately able to hire her to um, do a complete rebrand. Uh, recover on the uh I wouldn't say rebrand more recover on the on the series okay so that's Shea all she did was recover the books Mm -hmm. and it was just an interesting story to hear how she did that and the results it had because she said now the the books have found their audience Mm -hmm. and she was writing Mm -hmm. another book in that series I thought this was one of the most interesting interviews we had because Mm -hmm. she was so um like uh, analytical in looking mm-hmm. at her mm-hmm. backlist. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, again, it kind of goes back to what we're talking about with Miss Cecilia, you know, finding that audience. And another thing is someone said this when I first started, you know, on one of the podcasts we listened to uh, back then, and I can't remember who it is, but basically your cover is the promise you make to your reader. You know, that is a promise you make. And, if your cover does not match what's inside the book, you're breaking that promise. You're breaking mm-hmm. faith with those people. And it's really hard to get, to keep a reader or hang on to that reader or get them back if you've broken a promise to them. Right. So, yeah, yeah, and covers do that give you that kind of emotional mm-hmm. feeling. Like, I feel like a cover has to give you a feeling like you know what you're going to get. Right. And right. if, that's what you expect, but then the book isn't what you expect. That's mm-hmm. where you get that disconnect. And mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's why covers are so hard. And that's yeah. why it's, yeah. uh, if you can hit it right, it's, mm-hmm. it can make such a huge difference. Right. Right. And, and why I've said, and I've been proven wrong on this a little bit, but you know, don't make your own step away <laughs> no. from Photoshop. Um, but I know some people that make their own covers and they do really, I mean, they're beautiful and they're, they're to market and everything, but most of those people either have some graphic design experience or they have just worked their tails off and, and studied. And, and I mean, my friend Lori Ryan is one of them. She makes her own covers and she works really hard. And I don't think she has graphic design ex- experience, but she, she just really, studied the market she figures out the fonts she doesn't go the she doesn't do the easy thing um and so you know that's that's so important I mean it's just they're just so important I wish I would kind of wish they weren't but they are they're (laughs) they're just super important yeah 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 so we're gonna do number eight now yeah let's do okay Number eight, episode 30, understanding your motivation to write with H. Claire Taylor. I love this one. I wish I had known what I wanted out of writing a little bit more so that I could build a marketing plan and expectations for that marketing plan um, that matched what would actually fulfill me. So, you know, it started out, I, I was publishing, I had a couple standalones because I thought that's what she did um, because, you know, I was modeling off of traditional publishing mm-hmm. and um, I was coming out of academia and 
that's very much like, well, you need to write literary fiction and it needs to be a standalone and it can't make anyone happy. Yeah. Okay. No laughter at all. Oh my gosh. I turned in a satire to one of my professors for like my senior, you know, thesis thing. And they were like, what, what is this? I was like, I don't know, a little bit of joy. Sorry. Um, (laughs) But yeah, so I had to kind of get over that myself because I had the wrong idea of what writing should be for me and what uh, my goals should be rather than what I actually wanted them to be. And so I think it's hard to know how to market if you don't know what you want out of it. Right. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. That's hilarious. Um, yeah, if you if you don't know what your goals are, then you're just throwing a bunch of spaghetti at the wall hoping something's going to stick. And honestly, in the beginning, marketing is a little bit like that. But I think she's, I think Claire's right in in that if you really understand what your goals are, you know, if if your goal is making money, then you're going to approach marketing marketing differently than if your goal is exposure, which I've talked about last year, my goal was exposure. And I spent a lot more money than I would have if, you know, if it was just profit, I mean, I still made a profit, but it, I could have made more profit if I was just going for profit. Um, so, but I, you know, my goal was exposure, which yeah. I got. So, yeah. you know. Yeah. And our goals can shift and change mm-hmm. over time. And, right. but I do think it's really important to have that big long-term, mm-hmm. like the long view where you yeah. go, okay. And then if you have that, then you can figure out, oh, well, this project is probably not going to help me right. reach that. Or you might say this project isn't going to help me that much, but I really want to do it. You know, right. so I'm going right. to deviate for a little bit and then come back. So, right. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. All right. Number seven. Yep. All right. So this one is Lindsay Broker on pin names, podcasting, and rapid release. Yep. Um, from the story perspective, it lets me really iron things out a little more before I launch anything. And then I'm kind of committed and it's harder to go back and change things at that point. And then for marketing, it seems to be helpful to, um, you know, you just, if you have three for them to buy all at once or like one right after the other, you seem that you're kind of striking while they're still excited about the first book. I just, I find that I get a lot better sell through earlier on. Uh, sometimes when you put out book four and it's been a long time since the last one, you feel like you're starting from ground zero. Like you've got your mailing list and most people are always good, but there's, you know, I, I know I have a lot of people who buy my books who aren't on my mailing list. They're just, they're never going to sign up for a mailing list. You know, they're never going to follow a Facebook page. But so if the book's already there on pre-order, at least, you know, they can go out and get it while they're still excited about the series. And I think with the voracious readers, I always tell people, don't assume that they read one book by you and you're now imprinted in your brain and they think they're awesome. It's like, no, you'll probably, they'll probably forget about you because they're reading a book every day. So we talked about this with um, Zara Keen as well. Like mm-hmm. we talked about all the assumptions we were making about our readers and our newsletter list. Right. And you know, we should just never assume. That's one thing no. I this year is never assume. No, no. I was talking to somebody, uh, I don't know, a couple of weeks ago, and she was like, well, I never do that. Like, I think it was about keywords, like searching keywords. And she was like, I don't do that. I, I'm not going to put a lot. I don't do that. And I'm like, but you're not your reader. You're mm. not the reader. And so you're a writer, you read, but you're not the reader. So you can't assume that. I like, I, I just, 
really appreciated Lindsay's approach too of holding on to those books so you can make changes and stuff because I've talked to a lot of people who rapid release and you know that's the hardest thing when you get to that third book and go "Ooh, I wish I I wish I had tweaked this somewhere in the before you know Um, so you know of course I'm speaking into something I know nothing about because I don't rapid release but I, I really like that yeah, well, she had some really good points about mm-hmm. how it does help you cement your kind of relationship with the reader. Yeah. And then I certainly don't do rapid release, but with my High Society series, I wrote the first two books and got them kind of in the pipeline to go to the editor and all that before I wrote book three. Yeah. And when I was writing book three, I went back and I changed book one. Yeah. So it does, it is great to be able to go back and yeah. tweak things and, mm-hmm. you know, Sometimes there are things now that I think, ooh, I really wish that, Mm -hmm. for instance, Mm -hmm. I'm working on a book right now and I had my character go to this apartment building and she, this building of flats and she's like, oh, I'm going to be in apartment 226 or something like that. So the book I'm writing now takes Mm -hmm. place in that building. And so Mm -hmm. I had to draw out a little map and I was like, oh no, why did I start with 220? Why didn't I say 201? It'd be so much easier. Yeah. You know, (laughs) So now I have, and the number of flats is important because the mystery takes place in the building on that floor. So I didn't really want to have 228 suspects. So I had to come up with a reason that there would be smaller numbers. So anyway, that's just a, a tiny detail, but I. But that's something you don't really myself. think about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, even mine. The story, I'm, you know, the second book in this series, following Homecoming King. There are things I'm like, oh, I kind of wish I had made him that way. I wish I had get. I wish I had given him a little more edge or a little, you know, whatever. But it's too late now. I mean, you know, a lot of people have read that book, so we'll just yeah. move on. Yeah. Fix it somehow, yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So number six, episode 13, Finding Success in Small Genres with Elena Johnson. And this this episode just was, people, it was just full of gold. Yes. Um, yeah. And really something you probably need to listen to more than once because yeah. it was just so much information. Yeah, and Elena is also more on the rapid release type mm-hmm. writing mm-hmm. schedule. So here's Elena. Um, talking about how to make a splash in smaller genres. Mm-hmm. I think for me, I'm very niche down in that Christian market. And I went even further where Liz only writes cowboys. She doesn't write anything else. She doesn't write rock stars. She doesn't write Christian rock stars. She doesn't write Christian billionaires. She doesn't write Christians on the beach. She doesn't write Christian brides. She, she writes Christian cowboys. So I'm even farther down in. And I think what that allows me to do is really target my marketing. So I think that's why she's able to do um, as well as she does. So I think that might be a tip for people. I think it's a very, I think most markets now are pretty saturated. Um, Mm -hmm. And so you have to find a way to do something that is similar, but not the same. So that is the trick is Mm -hmm. like something that's similar, but not exactly the same. And then um, we, in this episode, we talked about how if you go really narrow, mm-hmm. so counterintuitive, that yeah. that is where you can really find your readers. But I think we all feel like, oh, I need to go wide and get as many as possible. But if you go narrow, you're yeah. actually able to find your exact match, I guess. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. And um, 
yeah, you're right. It is counterintuitive. It's like, if I'm going smaller, I'm not, but, but that's just, the smaller niches are deep. You know, they have a lot of readers that, that just aren't being served. I mean, because they only like cowboys. They don't like Christians on the beach, which cracks me up. (laughs) (laughs) There's all kinds of genres that I did not know existed. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, that's just such a great tip and something for people to think about when they're writing it, like before they even start writing. Uh, their stories and stuff that at Romance Author Mastermind that was talked about, you know, think, things that you need to think about before you write your story, which would have been so good for me had I thought, you know, I mean, I just started writing a story and then it turned into a series. And, you know, um, so now I try to be a little more, um, what's the word? Plan it out a little bit more. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Wow, I'm a writer. Um, <laughs> we specialize in the written word, though. <laughs> you know, the spoken word. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. But anyway, yeah, that's that's what I think. Um, I think that's so important. Yeah. For, well, see, for I didn't authors. understand that either when mm-hmm. I first started. And that's one reason I wrote the whole How to Write a Series book. Yeah, because intentional. I, intentional is the word. There you go. Yeah, I yeah. just Googled it. No, I didn't. <laughs> But I didn't understand that about like no. making a series big enough to sustain right within three or six books. Mm-hmm. And there there is a way you can set your series up that it can be ongoing yeah. and never ending. Right. But I didn't realize that. And right. like I made a bunch of mistakes in my first series. Like mm-hmm. I gave my character little kids mm-hmm. and then that kind of you know, if the readers are reading for the little kids, can the little kids get older? Can people grow? Yeah. No, you, I mean, you know, so you kind of lock yeah. yourself into certain things and limit mm-hmm. you. So, yeah, yeah, lots to learn there. And a lot of it, you just have to get in there and do it. You know? Right. Exactly. Exactly. All right. Number five is episode 22 with Pamela Fagan Hutchins turned her writing career around. Yes. This one she's talking about. Um, networking with other authors. Mm-hmm. I find the things that I do to network with other authors return to me in ways, again, like I was mentioning earlier about, um, you know, the whole idea of advertising and how so much of what I get from it is above and beyond that day's bottom line. It's the same thing with retreats. Those relationships become later people that tell me when I'm on their podcast years later, I saw you in a workshop and, you know, I did this because, you know, you were the nail in my coffin with traditional publishing (laughs) and become people that blurb your books or that you do um, box sets with, or, you know, all kinds of fabulous things. And that's harder and harder to get as we become more dispersed and remote from each other. So that was a fun interview. And what's funny is that, after this interview, um, I had an opportunity to be in a box set, a multi-author box set, and we were trying to find another person that it was an audiobook box set actually. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. And we were trying to find another person who was wide and kind of wrote the same type of tone. And I thought, what about Pamela? You know, so we are in a box set now, and I thought, that oh, that's great. Yeah, you know, I would have not even met her except for this podcast. And right. So it yeah. kind of encapsulates, you know, how networking with other authors just expands your opportunities and just makes your writing life richer. Right. It does. And even if you don't like collaborate on a project, even if they're not in the same genre of you, just having like-minded creative friends is really important. I mean, it just, you know, you and I know this, but you know, because 
we have each other and our friend Danielle and we meet regular. Well, we did meet regularly <laughs> and uh, we meet regularly on zoom now. Yeah. Yeah. It's just important uh, to, to have that, you know, when we went to the smarter artists conference that first year um, or the smart artists summit, you know, we, we met, but I met a lot of people there that I'm still friends with and only a couple of them write in my genre. The rest don't, but it's, mm-hmm. those relationships are so important because it just keeps you on track. It help it gives you someone who goes through the same things you go through as a creative uh, to bounce things off of. And, you know, they understand and stuff, but yeah. so and, it's just yeah. important, but if you can find somebody in your genre, then that's even better. Yeah. You know, that's just yeah. icing yeah. on the cake, really. Yeah, and it is important because, you know, our families love us. And, mm-hmm. you know, most, uh, you know, my family is very supportive. And mm-hmm. a lot of writers I know, their families are very supportive. Mm-hmm. But they, they can only listen to you talk about, like, pricing and mm-hmm. title possibilities for so long. And then they're mm-hmm. like, you know, I just don't know. And you need somebody who understands yeah. you know, all the different variations that you could possibly do you know right right yeah I told my husband last night that um I don't even know what we're talking about but I said that all of my newsletter subscribers except for about 3,000 um because my list is about 15,000 so all those 12,000 people are organic and I was like, I was just like, I, I just realized that. I guess I, I don't look at it very, as much as I should, but I had just realized it a couple of days before and I was telling him and I told him and he, it was, <laughs> I didn't get the response I was hoping for. Let's just put it that way. I mean, he was like, oh, that's it. That's good. But he didn't understand the significance of that. Yeah. <laughs> that's why we need writer friends yeah and then also she's right you know anthologies or or box sets or or just you know marketing tips like yeah. things that work for romance don't work for yeah. cozy mysteries or or historical mysteries and or and vice versa so it's yeah. just good to have those contacts and those relationships all right so episode four well, no, the fourth most downloaded episode <laughs> is episode one, Our Mistakes and Lessons Learned from Indie Publishing. So that was between the two of us. Yeah, we interviewed each other. And I'm just going to give, this is just a tiny short little snippet because you've heard a lot of us in this. Yeah, you. This is like you know, just a couple of seconds of that first episode. We're going to interview each other and find out our deepest, darkest secrets, right? Yes. Yeah. Sort of. <laughs> Within reason. Within reason, yeah. Yeah. So I figured that was enough of us talking yeah, about each other. Really. <laughs> so that was funny. And I feel like I've learned a lot like about podcasting and about, mm-hmm. and I feel much more comfortable than mm-hmm. I did in the beginning. And that was one reason I wanted to do this podcast was because right. Right. I just, I get nervous anytime for anything, speaking mm-hmm. in front of anybody. And that includes Zoom. I just get mm-hmm. nervous and I feel more comfortable. You know, I know the more you do it, the more comfortable yeah. you feel. But I was so nervous during that first episode. Yeah, I think we both were. But yeah, uh, it was. Yeah, I just, so, I'm just so happy we did this. I can't. We people are sick of us saying that, but I mean, I just am so happy we did this. And um, and I, I don't know if I've said it on the podcast, but you know what I really like is that we're two women who unapologetically know things about the business we're in 
and we share that information and what we don't know we're on, I think we're honest about yeah. and and we we find that we find the people who do know those things and we share that with with uh, our listeners and you know not to not to beat my Helen ready I am woman uh, <laughs> or toot it too loud but I just I just love that I think it's you know being the two of us and and I, I I think that's what I'm most proud of with, with this, with this podcast. And, and then that we, you know, that that seems to translate to listeners and, and they love it too. So yeah, it's really good. All right. We'll move on from us, <laughs> even though I could talk about myself all day long. Um, episode, the, the third most downloaded episode is episode eight. David Gochran is using his lessons learned to reboot his fiction and nonfiction books. And he, this, in this clip, he's talking about unlearning craft stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, so um, switching back sort of to um, writing and craft. So is there anything that you wish you had known about writing and craft when you got started? Yeah, I've had to uh, unlearn a lot of stuff, a lot of stupid assumptions that I had coming into my career. And certainly the biggest one, just in terms of basic craft stuff, was uh, I would have valued... Um, the skill of writing a pretty sentence much more than constructing a satisfying story. And and worse than that, I, I used to assume that, you know, storytelling was the easy part and writing a pretty sentence was the hard part. And so that's where I focused all my energies. And I'm completely 100% wrong about that. You know, anybody can learn to write a, a pretty sentence. Constructing a story, especially one that's, you know, going to resonate widely with a lot of people, um, that is the biggest challenge of all. And I think you can spend your whole life trying to master that skill and you'll never you'll probably never fully do it. You know, there's always some new aspect of storytelling to learn. And readers value, of course, especially, you know, outside of literary fiction, but even in literary fiction, I think, like readers value a story more than than simply a pretty sentence. And you can have 100,000 words of the the prettiest sentences that have ever been written, and it'll be unreadable unless it's, you know, crafted into an actual story that, that resonates with people emotionally and has a certain arc and all those things that we try and do. So I can listen to David Gogren all day long, pretty much. Well, you know, I could too. So, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And, you know, anytime I, I've gotten myself in trouble, it's, it's been because I've not, I've lost track of the, telling the story and have wor- started worrying about the minutia of things. Um, not that you don't try to, you know, have creative syntax, you know, and some, and, and some other things, but that's not, you know, I get in trouble in the beginning writing the story because I lose track of just telling the story. And um, yeah, it's so important. It's so important because I'm, I'm certainly not the best writer around, but I can tell a story, you know, and I think that, that the writers that, or the authors that do the best are the ones that can just tell a story. And you and I both have examples in our own genres of stories of books that were like, "Mm, yeah, but they have something about them. And there's something about them. I think story and character oftentimes trumps everything else. Right. Because, you know, there, there are books that like, they're not technically greatly written, but readers love them. And, you know, there are books that like they have problems with grammar and stuff, but, Mm -hmm. but if the reader is into the story and I read books like that too, that I thought, Oh, this is just not very well edited, Mm -hmm. but I really want to find out what happens. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. So I think that that is so important. Okay. So the second most downloaded 
episode was episode 29 with Craig Martell, and it's on pricing strategies, making more money with less books, and writing with health issues. So have you ever made a mistake that turned out to be a good thing or gone against kind of popular opinion of what you should do and it turned out to be a good thing? I made a mistake that wasn't a good thing, and that's I wrote my first four books with three different genres. Now, all three sold are all four books sold with the one, the one thriller that I had written. I considered my very best book ever, and I still have a hard time selling it. There's an attraction, but there's only one of them because I, it never really sold. So I'm like, I, I could make more money writing these other books. And so I'm reinvigorating that series. I'm getting stupid Stuart Batch covers. I'm going to add a second book. And then I'm writing the new series. I'm going to have two commensurate thriller series running side by side along with my my space lawyer series, which is kind of thriller, kind of courtroom drama. All right. So that was Craig on, you know, not, I think now the term is like staying in your lane, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. you pick a genre and you stay in it. Right, right, right. That's like one of the wise things that you can do. Yes. Like there's certain things, you know, like the, the kind of the to-do list, if you want to be successful and one of those is stay in your lane. Right. Which is really hard to do. <laughs> hard to do. Hard to do because we all have those projects of our heart that we want to write. Um, the thing about Craig is he can write fast. So he can do multiple things mm-hmm. and still kind of rebound from it. But um, if you don't write very fast and you, like someone we know and love, uh, then you could spend six months a year writing a book that doesn't do well. And then you've gone that long without you know, putting out a book that makes you any money. Mm-hmm. So I think staying in your lane is good, but also knowing your limitations, you know, we can all strive to get better, but we, we sort of need to know what our limitations are. And yeah, uh, sometimes but, we, we have great ideas and plans. Uh-huh. I had this idea that I would get four series going and I would have a release in each series once a quarter. And the uh-huh. other, that way you'd have four releases per year. Yeah. 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 Like, it'll be perfect. It'll be great. But then just the reality is like, I just didn't have the ability to write that many books in that right. many different series. Cause like for me, it's harder to switch between series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to learn that about myself that, yeah. you know, so yeah. sometimes our plans are great, but then in reality, yeah. they're just too hard to execute. Right. Personality sometimes. Exactly. And, uh, but that whole interview was really good with Craig. I, I just felt like he was um, super honest and um, you know, he's, super successful, but he was very honest about the mm-hmm. things that, you know, hadn't worked or he wish he'd done differently or stuff. Yeah. So. And I've been impressed with the people, with what people have shared. Oh, me too. Podcast. Yeah. You know, yeah. things that I would think maybe they might not want to talk about, but everybody's been really open saying, well, this is what I did wrong. And this is what I learned. And mm-hmm. been really yeah. good. So. Yeah, it has been. So I encourage people to go back and listen to that episode if they haven't, because it was really good. Yeah. So now this last one is a surprise for Jamie. So yeah. I don't <laughs> episode downloaded is episode 26 book launch plans. The mecca episode. Oh, that was ours. Yeah. Yay. So well, that's cool. Was, yeah. Because we were both a little unsure about how it would be received because we right. were doing lots of interviews and we, yes. thought, well, is anyone interested in, you know, hearing from us? <laughs> So obviously it turned out to be a good thing to do it. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, so that's I've got great. a little clip here. I think we're talking about, oh, following up with an art team. This is one of your tips of um, what you had done for your launch this okay. summer. 
Oh, and then I also, uh, the people that I, I actually created a spreadsheet, stop, uh, of the people that I gave the ARCs away to. And so on the day of release, I just emailed them and said, you know, if you enjoyed the book and wouldn't mind posting about it, you know, on your page or whatever, then that would be great. You are under no obligation to. That was a gift, a free gift, no strings attached. But if you, here's, here's the link and here's a graphic you can post with it. Yeah. And almost every one of them did it. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's just and like, that's, it's, it's good to, it's, uh, it's basically you're giving them a reminder saying, hey, if you would like to do this, this is great. No pressure. Because mm-hmm. like, for us, a release is like our whole world. But for these people that review, yeah, lots of people are like, oh, it is that day. But lots of people review lots of books, especially like in the cozy mystery world. Oh, yeah. And they like getting the new books. And sometimes the dates get away from them and they forget that they don't get on their calendar and stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't, I mean, I did, what I was talking about there is, like my review team, they're expected to review on Amazon and Goodreads. I mean, that's sort of the deal we make. Um, it's an honest review. If you don't like it, you can post that review. But if you're going to get an ARC, I want the review, you know, yeah, to go up. You, you hopefully they right. will follow through. Yeah. Right. But what I was talking about there was um, the ARC team posting something about the book on Facebook or Instagram. In or yeah. In a group. Yeah. Um, and really that was just so, um, that worked better than I had, <laughs> than I thought, because here's the deal. We can pay money for pay-per-click ads. We can pay money for newsletter ads, but word of mouth sells books. You know, if, if your friend says, I really love this book, then you're going to be more inclined to buy it and, and try it or get it on KU. So, um, or in KU. So yeah, I think that that was, I had never, I hadn't done that before this time and I was really glad that I did. Yeah. yeah. So, so one other thing I would, I asked in our group, um, mm-hmm. what lessons learned, you know, I said, we're coming up on this yeah. uh, 50th uh, episode. And so I thought I would just read one of these today and maybe we'll kind of sprinkle them in, in the next couple episodes. Sure. But one response was Juliet Fisher. And um, she says some very nice things about the podcast. It does, you know, yeah. We're so happy that people are listening and enjoying it. And she said her biggest takeaway is it's work, hard work. No matter how much you look at it, it's important to remember the why. Comparison is the killer of um, contentment, but having good people to look up to is vital. Mm. And um, so I think that people are enjoying the podcast. I think we yeah. should keep doing it. You want to keep doing yeah. it in 2021? Let's- Let's keep doing it. Let's keep, I got nothing else going on. <laughs> <laughs> and actually, we do have some good um, interviews lined up already for 2021. Yes, we do. We do. We're and continue on. And yeah. yeah, just keep talking to people and find out what they wish they had known. Right. Right. Thanks for listening, you guys. We appreciate it. Yeah. So we'll have all the show notes at wishihadknownthenforwriters.com. And we will talk to you guys next week. Bye. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the Wish I'd Known Then podcast. We hope this episode inspired you, empowered you, and made you laugh a little bit too. If you loved it, tell your friends about it. And if you feel so inclined, leave us a review. We look forward to being with you again next week.